Bones, welcome to Story Shamans. I'm Professor Bones. I'm Dr. Bones. And you've entered the Bones Cave. Oh yeah. Okay, animals, let me slap it to you. This week, I picked a topic. Alright. He has no idea what we're about to talk about. Nope, 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 nope. I'm pretty excited about it, though. Oh, Because yeah. I love it. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. This time, we're talking about Mad Men. Oh, alright. Okay. Are you having heard? <laughs> Well, give of course it not. that I have no idea what we're talking about until it happens. No, I am woefully unprepared. Fantastic. That should be good, though. First thing I want to talk <laughs> about. Okay, let's do it. The basic setup of the show, a basic conceit from the beginning of the show. Okay. Is yeah. that Don Draper, our main character, is not in fact Don Draper. That's true. Right? This is not something you see very often. No. This is something they definitely, you know, you know, I'd venture to say it's brave to go ahead and set, you know, if if not the rest of the seasons, but especially your first one, around a main character that you slowly unravel. Mm -hmm. Is like the identity we're building is not who they quote quote really are. Mm -hmm. But that's definitely like baked into the concept, right? It's it's all about advertising, it's all about artifice, it's all about identity and mm -hmm. in essence, it's all about you know, pretending. Sure. <laughs> but that's not my point. Okay. Here we go. His real name is Dick Whitman. Yep. He's assumed this identity of Don Draper. Yeah, He's do. moved to the big city, got himself a job as an advertising man. Yeah. He's been hiding this fact from literally everybody. Yeah. It communicates his isolation, you know, his family, his own wife, his kids, yeah. his closest friends. None of them know the that real is. him. Man, that is true. You know, it constructs the identity of this idea, this super suave, successful American dream kind of guy, uh, which, you know, he grew up poor and kind of faceless, yeah. you know, and to have this much importance in society and to be recognized and to be a big deal, you know, for him, it's not really who he is on the inside. On the outside, he's constructed this idea of what he thought he always wanted to be, the kind of the, the glamour yeah. of this idea, which, you know, the entire show plays into that. But the thing I wanted to talk about... Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> ...is he hides this identity for so long, he's so steeped in the secrecy of it, yeah. that when Pete almost, you know, outs him, he's yeah. coming after him, he figures out that, like, Don Draper is not Don Draper. Yeah. And he wants to use it to destroy him. Yeah. Right, and he goes to their boss, right? He goes yeah. to Cooper, and he's like, hey, this man's a fraud. And you remember what Cooper said? I, I honestly don't. Hit me with it. He said, who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I was gonna guess that. It has come to my attention completely by accident that Donald Draper here is not who he says he is. His real name is Dick Whitman, but Dick Whitman died in Korea 10 years ago. It stands to reason that he is a deserter at the very least, and who knows what else. Mr. Campbell, who cares? That's exactly what he said, man. Pete, his face drops and he's just like, oh, what? Okay, oh. And Don, standing there being like, I lied to everybody for so long. I've been doing this <laughs> since my 20s. I won! <laughs> and it's just like, no, man, nobody cares. It nobody, doesn't matter. Nobody gives a fat Pete. You're a person. You show up. You do your job. I don't care what your name is. I don't care where you're from. Yeah, I don't Which really... is really like who he is as a person. Like, not the idea or the image, but as an actual person, who he is. His soul. And Cooper's like, who cares? Doesn't matter. The Japanese have a saying, a man is whatever room he is in. And right now, Donald Draper is in this room. <laughs> yeah, which does speak to their industry. It speaks, at least thematically, what they're doing with it. That whole idea, like, I don't care. The created artifice is all I really give a shit about. Mm -hmm. So if you show up, and you do the work, and, you know, you're kind of our point man on damn near everything, mm -hmm. 
Where do I care where you came from? That's that's literally not important. I don't care who your who your soul is. <laughs> I care who this guy is. The yeah. ghost who shows up to work every day. Yeah. He spends most of it drinking and napping, but you know. He also gets some work done in there. He does. <laughs> Napping's good for the creative process. That's so, true. You know, how could you not? <laughs> you know what you had struck me while you were saying that too? Is that uh I guess I had failed to take into account how he had he never revealed that. His his original identity. Mm-hmm. He never talked about that with Betty. No. And we never see him approach it with his children either. Though they're they're all kind of young to do that, but mm-hmm. but like he literally his whole family is out of it. Yeah. We got a few people that sort of get tastes of it. Pete gets it. You know, he has the moment where he sort of breaks down about the Hershey bar and talks about mm-hmm. growing up around hookers. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of much, a taste. Much later, yeah. Oh yeah, way, way, way later. But you know, he, his family life—he never, he never got into it. No, he's he's lying to Megan. everybody all the time. Yeah, I never really considered the family part. Mm-hmm. That's weird. It is weird. That's actually <laughs> that's that's the second thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, I want to talk about the yeah. end of season three. Okay. I want to talk about this first point of no return. I want all to right. talk about how great it was. Okay. When Betty actually does find out, you know, she finds the box of Don's stuff. The old pictures from his family of when he was a kid and like, you know, the same box that Pete had. Where he's like, what are you, look at all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, 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 You know, he's going to use against him. Like, Betty, you know, okay, she sees yeah. it. In she, that respect, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It did butt up against Betty. Yeah, eventually, even though they've been married for, you know, what, ten years? Yeah. You know, they got three kids. <laughs> yeah. She finally learns what his real name is, you know. Like, <laughs> Man. <laughs> but the way that it was used to, you know, like a catalyst into season four. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for a show like this, yeah, it'd be really hard to change the circumstances to do the shake-up for four. A little bit, you know, I like, suppose. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, they did it with the whole leaving Sterling Cooper behind. They're going to start their own agency in four. Yeah. And that's kind of the obvious, easy thing to do. Yeah, switch up the organization stuff. The day-to-day is a different company. Yeah. Go out on their own, that kind of stuff, yeah. But on a personal level, tracking his uh, evolution as a character... Yeah. You know, to have Betty find out, and then it just kind of destroys the marriage. Like, it was already falling apart. It was already there because of all of his infidelity and all yeah. the other just Don being Don shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she's also a crazy person. Yeah, their, their marriage is not good. It's already crumbling. But to have that be the catalyst, that would just really punch him in the guts. Where it's like yeah. she finally finds out the real him, and she's like, <laughs> I want a divorce. And <laughs> completely rejects it. Yeah, the reality of who he is. Which... And the the artifice of who he is. They just collide, (laughs) and it just shatters. Why didn't you tell me? Why couldn't you tell me any of this? I didn't think I had a choice. I don't know what the difference is. This is our house. Those are our children. There's a big difference. You lied to me every day. I can't trust you. I don't know who you are. What would you do if you were me? Would you love you? I was surprised that you ever loved me. Fantastic! It's like uh, it's a, it's everything he's sort of scared of. Yeah, just, just happens. Crystallized in one moment. Like, oh, if anybody knew who I was, the scumbag, like the the dark history of my upbringing, like the scumbags that my parents were, or who I grew up raising me, the circumstances of my you know childhood, the fact that I took another guy's name and I'm a coward and I ran from war, mm-hmm. like Deserter. all of that. Like I I feel like I'm a dirtbag. And I can't expose who I really am. Because if you knew, you'd think I was a dirtbag and run away. (laughs) And as soon as she knows, she runs away. (laughs) And that's not necessarily the reason. No, no. When you put them right next to each other. It's coupled into his fear, right? Of like part of why he lies about it. Yeah. It's like everything he's worried about just happens all in one moment. And she, yeah, she doesn't even know everything. No. 
It doesn't matter. She doesn't really care either. No, not necessarily. No, oh, but it still ruined everything. Totally everything he was though. dreading. It still happens. <laughs> the suburban life, the image, the, you know, the, the house with the wife and the kids. Yeah. The thing that he's been rejecting this entire time, like we're three seasons in now. Yeah. And you're watching it with all of his philandering and all of his drinking. And yeah. all the stuff that he does in the city yeah. as opposed to the suburbs where he lives, you know. All these, always trying to escape it. You know, it's his kid's birthday party, and he's supposed to go get the cake, and instead he parks under, like, a bridge, gets drunk, and falls asleep, and just never comes back. <laughs> and you're like, he just wants to do oh, everything man. possible to get away from this idea, oh, this thing. so true. The reason he's lying and what he's trying to craft for his life and what he thinks he should have or who he should be, yeah. he kind of hates it. He doesn't want it. He runs from it. He's yeah. always trying to tear it down. It's like, a thing he's been you know, sold. It's, uh, you know, and all the thematic yeah. stuff about, like, hey, the American dream. Get this house. Live out there. Be impressive. Have a good career. Get a perfect wife and have babies. And, you know, I don't know, take them to soccer practice. <laughs> he's like, oh, maybe I'll just get drunk under the bridge. Yeah. Oh, I missed all of it, huh? Oh, that's a bummer. Maybe yeah, well, huh? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's young, right? He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> Oh, man. But, you know, the way it communicates to the, the isolation. And what we're doing with Don, yeah. it isn't obvious at first. For the first few years, it's a while till you get into it that, like, yeah. this story is really about existentialism and him trying to fill a hole inside of him. Yeah. He's trying to fill it with artifice, and it doesn't work. Yeah. He has the wife, you know, who is like a model. He yeah. has the kids. He's got the house. He's got all this money. Too much money. Yeah. I see how you are with money. You don't understand it insane amount of money though. he's got the prestige and he's got the power and he's got the reputation he has everything that he's supposed to want but then he just keeps having girlfriends and he keeps not coming <laughs> yeah. home and he keeps like what it's what all not for, enough man it's yeah. all completely unfulfilling and towards the end of the first season he wants to burn it down just run away with his girlfriend and she's like you're crazy go away drop everything leave your life People do it every day. That's, that's absurd. You can't just burn your <laughs> life down and start over somewhere else. And he's like, why not? Why not? Why not? That's what I do. That's my, my thing. I assume different lives. I've done it before. I can do it again. It's just different. Just set it on fire because it doesn't matter. Walk away. Try again. And let the cycle repeat itself. He honestly could have gotten away with that, too. Like, you yeah. know, in the 60s. Yeah. It would have been a long time before anybody, like, finds out where he went. If they ever do. Yeah, yeah if they ever do. It'd be decades later. And it'd be like, uh, well, I don't know. Thought you died do we even care? You know, yeah. We found you. It's 20 years later. Your kids hate you, obviously. <laughs> Nobody wants anything to do with you. And he's like, well, good. That's what I wanted. That's what I was after. You know? Just it's, pretend I died. Yeah, this, this question of, like, what is he after? He doesn't know. He keeps looking for it. He keeps trying to fill this hole inside of him. Yeah. And it's all just existentialism and this idea of the 60s as an era. Everybody kind of the disillusionment. Yeah. The shenanigans that were going on. It's all about American culture and how it's personified in this one guy. And we're trying to make this point about yeah. everything we're trying to say about this era and American culture at the time. And I was like, I wasn't alive then, so I can't say. Yeah. But I mean, was everybody so bummed out? Was everybody <laughs> so just heartbroken at their own lives? The existentialism and the, the, the yearning for meaning, all the counterculture stuff that was going on at the time and how everything's getting well, thrown out, the old ideas getting thrown out for the new ones, everything's changing. Yeah, I mean, that definitely seems to be a hallmark of the time period, right? Like, that's part of why, again, also not alive during then, but... You know, that's part of the reason you have, like, Timothy Leary and, and the acid thing comes on so strong. All the free love and let's try this seemingly consciousness-expanding substances. That it is sort of like it speaks to there must have been a great swath of people who are like, come on, this can't be it. 
This is not, this isn't all of it, right? Like, it's post-war time after, I mean, like, it's, it's a ways after post-war, but, you know, the World War II's over in 45. Yeah, sort of like everybody coming home and trying to, like, get back to normal in the 50s. And then you have, you know, uh, the, the war had sh shaken up traditional, you know, social, like, job roles and everything else. Because, like, most of the dudes were overseas fighting and dying. And most of the chicks were doing a lot of stuff that maybe before they weren't doing because there were just so many men in those positions missing. So now everybody comes back and they're like, let's pretend everything's like it was before. And that's, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so you got everybody pretending into roles. And you have a good decade and change of that. And then you have just, you know, and a whole like generation of kids coming up being like, what is this? This is madness. And then you get somebody who figures out, like, LSD. Mm -hmm. Al Hoffman. And then, you know, uh, people start going, hey, let's challenge everything. Maybe the whole social arrangement's stupid. Yeah. That's actually a good point you bring up. I was thinking about the different arcs for the different characters throughout the series. And it all kind of follows the same theme as Don. As Don's trying to find meaning in their life, but in a very specific yeah. kind of way of how do they tackle this existentialistic problem. You know, yeah. like Roger Sterling, yeah. he used drugs. He yeah, used he does. LSD. He's the guy who's experimenting with these crazy drugs, and he has this epiphany. You know, he sees the world for <laughs> what it is, and then he comes back down to Earth, and he's just kind of like, he's all bummed out about it. Like, oh, I was up in the stratosphere, and then I came back down, yeah. and it all kind of sucks. And so what does he do? He just does more drugs. He's like, I'm just going to do it again. <laughs> I'm just gonna try to tap back into that. Honestly, I need to take it again to really appreciate here. Which is part of the uh, danger of substances that sort of slam your brain into that place, and then when the drugs wear off, put you back where you started. And like you didn't, you didn't reach some sort of perspective shift through like training or insight or or effort that slowly but surely sort of shifts your whole center. Instead, you just got like somebody took you by the hand, slammed you into an enlightened-ish place, and then put you right back in your shitty job after. And it's really hard to reconcile, because there were no baby steps there. <laughs> you just went straight to 100 and then back to zero, and he's like, oh. And, you know, he's also just experimenting with the idea. He yeah. feels, you know, he's drawn to it. His own life, it's, it's mostly when it starts to come off the rails. You know, he gets divorced. Yeah. He gets remarried to his seeking. secretary. It doesn't work out. Big surprise. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's like 24 or something. Hey, who knew that yeah. wouldn't work out so so hot? And then he turns to these mind-altering experiences because he's just trying to figure out what does it all mean? What does he even care about when you watch this character throughout yeah. the series, which he is my favorite character on the show. Oh, he's great. You know, you're tracking what is what is he looking for? What is he doing? Like, what does he care about? He doesn't really care about anything the entire time. Not really. You know, he's super nonchalant. Yeah. He's super just kind of like, he's he's the embodiment of a shrug, you know? He's <laughs> just kind of like, yeah, you know, but like, whatever. But like with a wry smile, like when he's yeah. shrugging, he enjoys the shrug. Yeah, he gets it. But he also knows that he's shrugging. He knows what he's doing, but it's, <laughs> but it's just kind of like, I've seen too much stuff. I went to war. Yeah. You know, I inherited this company. I've yeah. got this power. I never really earned it. No. And, you know, it's all kind of a big joke, right? Yeah, I can like, float my way through it. Like, he sort of has... He has enough skill at this, at what he needs to be doing. Yeah, he is really good at what he does. Is it much... Like... It's sort of a soft skill, right? It's a very marketing, glad-handing, social skill. Mm -hmm. And it's important. It's it's crucial at the level they play the game at. But, you know, it's also not seen as very prestigious in a way. It's not seen as very, like, difficult or, or skillful. 
No, it is. And he makes it look that way with his drug, you know, with his casual, yeah. I'm just being me kind of attitude. Just do what I do. And it works. Bruh. I mean, <laughs> if you find, if that is his job and that is his purpose, keeping the company going, you know, employing all of these people, like, he does draw a lot of meaning from it. And all I got to do is just talk to people, go have drinks with them, and be charming. Yeah. Like, that's all he's got. And so Successfully, I'm sure... like, you know, seduce them and entertain yeah. them. Make yeah. them want to give us their business. That's it, get their money. And he does that. He, he does, does it really, really damn well. Mm -hmm. That's what he's good at. But yeah, it's not necessarily super fulfilling. No, and I think it was enough until, you know, his marriage falls apart. Yeah. You know, and then everything kind of starts to spiral down for him. He starts to take a harder look at his life and be like, what am I actually doing with my life? Why do I do some of the things I do? You know, like <laughs> yeah. early on in the show, you know, he goes over to Don and Betty's for dinner. They invite him over. And then in the kitchen, he tries to put the moves on Betty. Sally will be happier if cake was such a bit. Make sure you tell her I ate the M and Mom. Roger, don't do that. You've been making eyes at me all night. You can't tell me that I'm not giving you hot pants. <laughs> yeah. like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's like, I don't think he even knows. No. He's kind of like, I, I don't know. Like, he's having an affair with Joan at the office. He's been married to his best friend for like 20 years. Yeah. Loves her, respects her, but he still has a girlfriend on the side. He's, he's still, you know, trying to get he, he, like his best friend's wife. Yeah. He's like in the other room. That's like, what are you, why? And one of the top talents at his company. Yeah. So like, there are like multiple different reasons this is an awful idea. Do not do it. That this is like the worst thing you can do with your time, guy. Gotta do it. Gotta do it. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but like she's standing there and she's attractive. So how do I not? I gotta try. <laughs> it's like it's like he's doing it for sport. A little bit. Like, he doesn't really, really care. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't like. He's not fascinated by the person that Betty is. No. Like no, it's uh, it's it's literally just chasing it. Which is the exact same thing that Don is doing with all of his girlfriends. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's the same idea. So it's like you can't really hold it against him. I mean, everybody. I mean, Pete does it. Yeah. Like, like almost literally everybody on the show. Like just watch it. Eventually, even the guys who don't really do it. Like eventually, maybe Cosgrove. <laughs> I guess Cosgrove never really. I don't remember Cosgrove chasing much tail. No, he was just happily married doing his thing. But yeah. Yeah. You know, in general. All of them are kind of scumbags. All of them don't care about the consequences of anything. And so, like, what drives you? Why do you do what you do? And yeah. they spend at their job trying to figure this out. What motivates people to buy crap they don't need? Yeah. How do we sell it it's to them? It's the same idea, right? It's a fractal. The same concerns at different levels of the story. That's why they drink so much, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's a part of, like, they're setting it up as part of the, you know, the space, the context, this time period. Hey, everybody sort of did this, whether or not they did, right? Like, everybody smoked, everybody drank at work and took naps. But it is like, yeah, but you're also clearly self-medicating because of this lack of substance. Because of this lack of meaning, lack of self-awareness, lack of self-insight to, like, what is it that matters to me? I don't know. So, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna drink this to make myself feel better on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. Because it kind of works. But, you know, it slowly spirals your, your life. And, you know, it's part of the chase of the tail, part of trying to bang every chick you see. Specifically for Don, like that's the main way that he was doing it. He's searching for something. He tries to find it with these ladies. Yeah. He never does. It never works out. It always ends badly. No. And, like yeah, every he... time, and then he just does it again later. And it was like eventually yeah. it cost him his marriage. You know, eventually yeah. it cost him his second marriage. Like yeah. he <laughs> keeps losing all of it because he's not sure why. Yeah, he, like he still is not quite sure what's going on or why he's doing it necessarily or why is he so dissatisfied. Mm. He hasn't really taken a look at that. 
He's just like, what can you give me right now? And I'll fix it. Oh, that didn't work. Let me try again. Yeah. Again and again. And not, not even necessarily that self-aware about about doing it. No. He's more just like, man, I'm dissatisfied. Hey, you seem interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like he just goes down the path. That's one way to do it, I guess. It's, it's a good so, way. I mean, pretty self-destructive. I mean, a little bit, but from a storytelling perspective. Oh yeah, seven no. seasons. How are we gonna have great. these guys search for meaning? And I mean, I, I do want to talk about the finale. I want to talk about where all this was going oh, it's, and what all this means. So good. It is really good. It's really good. It's it. You know, it just. Oh man. My yeah. expectations were shattered. Like, I didn't know how you were going to end the show. I thought about yeah. it before it happened, and I'm like, you know, Dr. Bones, how are they going to do this? Yeah. What is the point? What are, like, what are they going to say Yeah. that's been here the entire time they've been building towards, and then toward, you know, right at the end there it is, just Don's search for meaning. I gotcha. He goes on his, you know, his pilgrimage. He just leaves the office. He's just like, I'm just going to hop in my car, and I'm going to leave, and I'm just going to travel. Yeah. I'm going to follow him while I was like, what are you doing? What, where are you going? What are you looking for? Yeah. He finally, you know, he makes it to the retreat. He finally gets the idea. You know, yeah. Like, this is what you should be looking for within yeah. yourself. Shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> do some meditation. Realize your own insignificance in the world, but how that's an okay, good thing because it connects you to everybody else. Yeah. It's just his search for enlightenment, and yeah. somebody finally gave the idea to him. Now, what does he yeah. do with it? I mean... Uh... <laughs> That's what's so great about this that's, ending. That's the stroke of brilliance here, where he just brings yeah. the fire back down to the people, and he uses it <laughs> to make a Coca-Cola ad about the whole world coming together, unified by, you know, sugar water. <laughs> and it's just... He does, right? Like, the show had tasted these ideas of sort of... Very lightly, though, throughout the run. We had Sterling doing LSD. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, uh... I, I would almost group in this, uh, this category as well. We had Cooper, who when he died, like Don. So well, actually, let's back up. When they all get dosed with like, uh, when they all get injections. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's supposed to like keep them up mm-hmm. and like give them power and stuff. Yeah, it's a creative boost. It's a bunch of B vitamins, I promise. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, uh, I think there was more in there, guy. <laughs> They're all kind of all in an altered space again. Don sees Cooper after his he's died. <laughs> he like does a tap dance number and kind of sings at him and talks to him. So we've got these tastes of, like, the edges of the map, like, of these ideas of these altered spaces and what it might mean and how it might speak to your day-to-day and this and this concern of, like, you're not sure what's wrong with your life, but you have a sense that something's not right. And we get to the end, and he does. He finally does end up, you know, at a retreat. And he's like, these are people who are here specifically to do this kind of deep work on themselves. He hears the guy talk about himself feeling like he's a... Uh, a thing yeah, in a fridge. Yeah, it wasn't like a, like a plate of butter or something. <laughs> like a plate of something that nobody wants. Something in the refrigerator getting ignored. They open the door and you see them smiling. And they're happy to see you. But maybe they don't look right at you. And maybe they don't pick you. And then the door closes again. The light goes off. So, like, it's simultaneously ridiculous, but also heartbreaking. And he does finally, partially off-screen, but he he does reach a point where he he gets a sense of that truth. He gets a sense of, maybe this is what I should have been going after. This might speak to my pain. And then he does 
come back and bring it to the people in the form of the thing he is good at, which is how do I take this, this insight, and use it to sell people shit they don't need. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna use it to create literally the, like one of the most successful advertisements in the history of advertising, where I sell people on the idea that let's give the world a Coke and you know, everybody will be perfect. world peace if y'all drink this particular kind of sugar water. It's just an appropriate amount of absurdity <laughs> that makes it pitch perfect. Like, I didn't even know how you would end this show. Yeah. And he's like, I got it. He tastes a bit of enlightenment and then funnels it through his individual ego, which is an ad man. And he's going to be one of the most successful advertisements in the history. The most successful liar and pusher of nonsense. Boom! <laughs> But he gets there through tasting some sort of truth and spiritual journey. It's it's fantastic. At least he got something out of it. Yeah, like what you were saying about the pushing up against reality. It was always, yeah. whenever the show did it, it was always as pertaining to death. It was always this pervasive yeah. theme that kept sweeping through it about how, how and when people would die. And it was always very ethereal. You know, and it was always very yeah. surrealist in that these deviations from reality, like after Cooper died, yeah. Don sees him tap dancing yeah. in the office. The best things in life are free. And it's like, what is that supposed to mean? And it's just, well, for Cooper, you know, it was just his curtain call. He's like, <laughs> I'm out. It all, it all is kind of a joke. Peace, bro. This is about what is the meaning of your life while you have it before it's over. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. You know, and when other people have died throughout the series, like, uh, you know, the real Don Draper's widow, you know, yeah. when she died and he had a strong, you know, Don had a strong relationship with her. Yeah. You know, our Don, not the real Don. Yeah. <laughs> and when she passed away, it was another hallucination. It was uh, him, you know, she's over in California. He's, you know, he's on the East Coast, but he hallucinates the idea of her leaving, you know, like, oh, man, you remember this? I forgot this. Yeah, it's, it's always whenever somebody dies, they yeah. get really ethereal with it and they get really metaphorical with it. And it's like when you're watching yeah. the series, like, what are you trying to say about this? Because we haven't gotten there yet. You know, it's still unraveling. It's still rolling yeah, out. Yeah, it is. We're just tasting it as we move yeah. along. You always get really poetic. And they do the same thing with the drug stuff when they do a whole episode where it's just... Yeah, everybody's hopped up. It's nonsense. You're just trying like, you just feel like you're in a fever dream. Right. You know, or when Don had a fever dream. Do you remember that? He got oh. sick. He had that crazy dream. He thought that his neighbor came over and, like, he strangled her to death and then, like, pushed her under the bed. Oh, man. And you're like, what is going on right Woo! now? Yeah. And, like, every once in a while, they'll drop in these just what is happening kind of moments. Yeah. And then what it's trying to say about reality, about how it exists inside your own mind and your perception of it. Yeah. And, like, when you're on drugs, crazy stuff happens. You know, yeah. when you're sick, crazy stuff. Somebody dies, you have some kind of emotional trauma reaction to it, heightened yeah. emotion, it gets really surreal. It is, it's all playing at those dots, like yeah, your mind takes in the sensations and information from the environment around you, but you know, drugs, trauma, sickness, all of these kind of mess with the dials in your head, yeah. so you start getting all kinds of stuff going on. It's all ways to escape his life, you know, I remember in season two, when, uh, when Don goes to California for the first time. Yeah. On the show, anyway, the first time we see him go to California. Yeah. 
where, you know, the real Don Draper's widow lives. Yeah. Goes out to visit her and stuff. And, you know, he, he spends all this time with these people. And this, this young woman, uh, what's her name? Joy, I think. Okay, yeah. You know, and he gets all wrapped up in this idea. It becomes very surreal. And they do this for a few episodes. It gets really... <laughs> it's kind of weird. Weird, where he's just like, who are you? Are you a real person? <laughs> yeah, like, like, you almost play it like Don thinks and maybe you watching the show are like, is this, is this chick going to turn out to be a ghost or something? Yeah, is she like some, an angel? Who are you? I'm Joy. Well, what's about to happen right now? <laughs> He's a spirit guide and she's just gonna float off into the ether? Or it's all a dream. He went to California, he got really drunk. <laughs> this whole, just lost two weeks. I don't even know where I was He's or part, what I was doing. Parked but under he, a bridge and he missed yeah. Bobby's birthday again. <laughs> Just going on some crazy bender or something. But no, this is real. It's happening. Yeah. He's just brushing up against the idea of escaping his life and going to something else, which is a, a theme throughout the show. People keep doing this. They yeah. keep leaving. They keep trying to reinvent their life. They keep trying to do something different yeah. and end up doing the exact same thing. <laughs> which we do hit in the end. He does whatever he learns from whatever journey he begins kind of towards the end there. He does bring it back to just crush harder as an ad man. So he definitely learns something, but he also utilizes it with his existent skill set. Like, he still uses it to dupe other people in their day-to-day -day lives. Which just, like, almost recursively is speaking to the thieves of the story. How do you how do you think this, uh, you know, that when people are sick or we got some of the drug stuff or people dying, how do you think this relates to, like, uh, Price killing himself? He uh, hangs himself in his office. That was a really, uh, I really liked that. I really liked that they, that they did that. That was nuts. Yeah. Season five. Oh, it was. Season five, he goes into debt, and he tries to take some money from the company. Oh, he yeah. He gets caught. They're like, oh. hey, we gotta fire you. And he's like, my whole life is falling apart. I can't take <laughs> it. I'm out. And he hangs himself in his office, and it's, yeah. it's slightly comical in the way that they deal with it. Yeah, but it's, a little bit. It's, it's very human, where it's just like, holy crap, he's dead in there. We, uh, what do we what do? We, do? we gotta do We gotta take him down. We gotta we cut him down? Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to face it. Nobody yeah. wants to confront it. I love that, like, I don't remember anybody considering calling the police. No. At least, at least first. Yeah, right? That is a, that is a, it feels like a mark of the time. That it is like, should we call the police before we mess with the crime-ish scene? Although he, he definitely killed himself, but... It's bad for business. Like, no, 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 just cut him down and... Oh, God, I don't know. We'll, we'll deal with it. Got killed himself in his office. Oh... But it was a, a prime example of one of the times where death wasn't treated mythologically. Yeah, it didn't it was step just, into that spiritual realm no, with it, really. They went the complete opposite direction. And I think that's why I liked it so much. Because it, it deviated so hard from what they had done before. And it was kind of slapping you in the face with it. Because it was so unexpected. And it does, it kind of speaks, right, to like, nobody, nobody was that guy's best friend or anything. No, they barely knew him. He hadn't really made many connections. That's part of why he ends up killing himself. Because he literally doesn't feel like he has anything and or like anyone. You could have just asked them, I need the money or my whole life's gonna fall apart. Get a loan. And yeah, they honestly steal it and yeah, they would notice. They probably would have cut him at least some kind of check. Or some kind of deal. They would have right. done something for him. Yeah. But instead, he's, yeah, he, he went down the wrong path and he feels like he's got no friends here. He's got no out. He's got no assistance. The only thing I have is to like, I guess I'll kill myself. Yeah. 
which is just so depressing. It just speaks to, he's killed himself partly because of the life he's leading, right? All at the same idea of like, oh, Don's got the big house, picket fence, family in the suburbs, and, he, and it's not enough. He too has, uh, I don't remember if he has a house in the suburbs or anything, but he's got a wife, he's got a kid, he was trying to keep in school, wife, like boarding school. Right, yeah, private school. It's, yeah, it's part of his money problems, his, his <laughs> kid's school. And it's the high level of his life, that lifestyle he's living. It's part of sort of this whole, you're living a little beyond your means, but also in, like, the style that everyone expects you to, quote-unquote. Yeah, doing what's proper, trying to do what's respectable. You want to be seen as a big deal, so you have to have your kid in private school. You you have to have the really nice apartment in downtown. Like, all of this is chasing an artifice, chasing an identity that, you know, is just mostly, like, socially constrained, socially defined. But it is the one death that they didn't really touch on anything, you know, beyond the mundane. They almost dug deeper in, in, in sitting you oh, in yeah. with those, like, yeah. minute concerns of, like, what do we do? I don't want to touch a dead guy. Uh, I guess we cut him down and put him on the couch. Oh, like, you kind of sit in that scene with them as if you're just there playing it out. And they do go back and forth. I mean, that's not the only time death was handled that way. No, yeah. There's, I mean, there's some kind of glib, kind of ridiculous, like, uh, especially if it happens off screen a little bit. Like, Pete's parents, you know, like in season two, his dad dies in a plane crash. Oh, yeah. And it's just kind of like, well, my dad was on that plane. I guess he's dead. <laughs> Apparently, my father was on that plane. Everything's exactly the same. You know, and then uh, much later, seasons later, when his mom dies, she was on a cruise or something, and then oh, she yeah. just kind of like fell overboard, and <laughs> uh, maybe it was murder, and you're like, what is, what, what the, what? What is happening right now? She loved the sea. It is interesting that they both died in travel-related, like, instances. Yeah. That's strange. It is really weird. Yeah. But that much more interesting, the way that they're playing against it, and they, you know, we do it like this, and then we do it like this, and then try to keep the two ideas in your head at the same time, because it's both. Yeah. And it is, and it does speak, especially in those instances, I think, about, speaks to Pete and who he is as a person, that, like, his parents go down, and he's like, well... Okay. Like, he doesn't seem too messed up about it. No, and, you know, Pete is a ridiculous man. He's also one of my favorite characters on that show. <laughs> he is a Everybody's sir. my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a ridiculous man. I, just, I love to watch him. You kind of hate him. Yeah. But also, he's, he's kind of fascinating in his absurdity that he does believe the lie. He's all up in it. Oh, he's... The artifice is him. There is nobody else. In a different way than Don. Yeah, very, it's, very it's different. qualitatively different. No. It is like he's, like, it's almost like if you asked Pete who he really is, he would look around and go, what do you mean? Like, this, what? That question doesn't make sense. This is, this is who I am. Like, do you mean what my name is? Like, you wouldn't be able to no. conceive. There isn't a core identity or, es or like, an essence behind the mask. Like, he is so identi identified with his mask. Mm -hmm. That he's like, that is me. Every once in a while you get a peek, and maybe he suspects there's something else. Like early on when he had his relationship with Peggy, and, yeah. uh, and he got a little philosophical, and he was talking about how he just wanted to be like a hunter, living in the woods. <laughs> and, uh, and he would hunt, and he would bring home the meat. And I would drag it through the snow to this little cabin. And his, and his yeah. cook it up, and they would sit, and they would just love each other. Yeah. And she's just kind of like, that's not the world we're living in, man. We had a baby. I gave Total it up. Rejection. I never told you, because I kind of hate you. Yeah. We have some weird connection, but it's impossible. That will never be our lives. That is a fantasy. That is not yeah. a real idea here. And never mind the fact that he's probably a crap hunter, too. Like, it's a... It's, oh, yeah. It's a super fantasy on his part. Yeah. He doesn't care about being, like, a 
prime old man living in the friggin' woods. Not at all. Like, that's, it's almost a whimsical, like, what if I was a wizard? And you were a, a towns girl in the square. Like, no, you don't, you don't, you're not actually a survivalist of any kind, buddy. Your skill set would be useless in nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you couldn't do that tomorrow if you tried. But the acknowledging of an idea, maybe there is a different way. Maybe there is something missing from my life, but I don't really know what it is. Yeah. And he does have girlfriends, you know. It's almost like a fading echo of like, hey, life could be different, I guess. Maybe, I I don't know. I'm going to go cheat on my wife. Anyway, yeah. You uh, you want an RC cola? That's the wrong time period. (laughs) (laughs) But he tries to find some kind of meaning, but I never got the sense that he was existential at all. I don't think he's too tormented by it. No, it's more like he would cheat on his wife and drink and smoke because that's what men do. That's what you're supposed to be doing, right? Yeah, that's, that's, he feels like that is what everybody's doing and supposed to be doing. So, what do you mean? What's the problem? Yeah. You know, you're, you've got a problem if you're coming at me for it. You're the one, you're like a social violator right now. Yeah. I'm the one that's doing what the program says. He tries to have something real, but he never does. I. That's a big part of season five that I liked a lot when he had that relationship with the woman that he met on the train. Yeah. You know, and then, like, they have this, they have a relation. He seems to actually really care about her, and then she breaks it off. Yeah. She's married to, you know, uh, she surprise. breaks him off, and it just, it messes him up, because all of his sense of, of control over the relationship. Yeah. The power that Especially he had to influence. Have. And he's just kind of desperate. He just kind of puts his hands out, but he says, why do the women always get to decide what's going to happen? Why do they get to decide what's going to happen? It's not the way it's supposed to be. I was like, because in this, she has the same exact amount of power of telling you, you suck, go away, I'm over <laughs> this. You know, that rejection, he thinks he can just make anything happen yeah. by a sheer force of will. He's, he is sort of faced with his own limits, like he has, like, he's failed to realize the other person is a human being with agency. Exactly, which that like, is his job, to convince people, to talk to people. Yes. That's what he does, and now he doesn't the like one matters, that. it's just like, I, I'm, I'm powerless, I can't do anything. This sucks. And even worse, if you remember how that worked out. No. That, like, you know, her, I think her husband, like, knew about it, or, like, he thought that she was sick because she had depression or whatever. Like, she had an, kind of an existential crisis. Uh, similar to what Betty had in the first few years when she goes to therapy and stuff. Like, my life is meaningless. Yeah. I'm a housewife. I sit around staring at the wall. <laughs> Everybody's got, like, the same-ish problem going yeah. on. It's so dark, Peter, that I just get to this place, and I suddenly feel this door open and I want to walk through it. She had it too, but like she goes and gets like, uh, like shock therapy or something. Like, oh my god, she gets her friggin' brain wiped. So when he, when Pete goes to see her, yeah. she doesn't even remember who he is. Which, which is just, just tears him in half, man. That just messes him up. <laughs> That's why I liked it so much. And like, some of my favorite Pete stuff they did the entire time. <laughs> this idea that his impact on someone could literally be completely erased. Just erased. That's just, how meaningless. Oh, it is. right, the hearts. You're the only <laughs> one who remembers. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, it did get him hard. Yeah, it was really good, I really liked it. Yeah, that is a treatment for depression, it's a good, and it's something <laughs> that they definitely would have done more often during that time. Wait, I mean, I, I could have used a little more of that idea of trying to fix what ails you via science, different via yeah. medicine. I mean, like Betty going to therapy early on in the show, and it was meaningless, it did nothing. Yeah, you know, it wasn't a, really a very effective therapy. Yeah, I mean, she's too broken. She's a child in a woman's body, you know, like... Yeah. That's not gonna fix you, but this idea... Well, I mean, it, yeah. shock therapy a better different therapist might have been, I don't know. Maybe, sure. But, but during the 60s, everybody's stuck on Freud, so... Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> they think they're helping, but yeah, they're probably just making it worse. 
it's an interesting idea to explore, though. I mean, the idea of electroshock therapy and medication and, like, how else yeah. would society try to address these issues? Yeah. And, you know, and the show more, but it's in there. We're talking about it right now. Oh, right? yeah. Like, there's some of it, right? Yeah, that chick got Electro. They, they're self-medicating in different ways. They didn't hit that super hard as a self-medication thing, but... But clearly that's what's going on. Clearly that's meant to be there thematically and everything else. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that would have been interesting if they kind of pulled more of that in. What are sort of, like, the social things at the time that were sort of built to try and address this? Mm. Yeah, that would have been cool. What do you think, guys? Uh, is there anything missing? Anything in Mad Men that you're like, oh man, but Sam, I, I guess you just said something, but anything else? I mean, uh, that, that counts, that's there, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking more about the reality breaks, like not just the fantasy stuff, but the butting up against really weird psychological spaces. Like, you remember Ginsburg? Yeah. You know, when they installed yeah. a computer in the offices? And oh, the man! EMF made him lose his mind, cut <laughs> off his own nipple. My nipple. How did we not talk about it? Yeah. Institutionalized, and like, it's not a drug episode, but it's very similar to the one they were doing before when everybody was on drugs like oh it's so it's like strange technology and the computer just it's like it fried his brain it is i can't turn off the transmissions to do harm they're beaming them right into my head and we never heard from him again he got taken off to the to the nut house yeah and they never touched it and it was right towards the end of the show there i mean yeah so there wasn't a whole lot of time to get was, back to him or anything but it was crazy ginsburg was a ridiculous character yeah and it was sort of like are you trying to like lean on the idea that this guy had latent psychotic break type tendencies already and then like this just slight shift in his world sort of clicked something over in his brain or like you really try to say like maybe largely in a metaphorical way but like it almost feels like literal that like no when he's saying like emf waves like he i don't i feel like he said that he said that right yeah, he did he was talking about the computers messing with his brain a little bit like, yeah like i realized it was the waves of data they were filling me up I had to find the release. Like, you really try to say, like, yeah, 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 one in a thousand, you will get somebody like that. It happens. And, like, well, you know, cells do signal in different ways, and, and some of them are electromagnetic, so <laughs> theoretically, there could be an influence. But those, those clunky computers back in the day, I don't know how much, like, radiation of any kind they'd be really giving off, but, but who knows? It's just a Humans really... Are, they're weird. It's a weird thing for Mad Men to be doing right now. But they incorporate it. They put it in. They're like, no, this is part of the experience. This is part of the world and the reality of this story. Yeah. That we have mind-altering experiences. And sometimes it's it's technology. It's a computer. Sometimes it's this a guy computer crazy. coming in. <laughs> what? It, it clicks this guy's head over. You know, which we don't know that much about him. But, you know, he did talk about his really weird past. Like, he was born in a concentration camp or something. What? And then, you remember this? I don't he talked about it. He just, he just like, I think he was talking to Peggy after uh, hours, and he just starts talking about weird, not nonsense, I mean, assuming he didn't make it up, but like, yeah, he got separated from his parents, he was born there, and like, after his dad got out, he came and found him. My father told me a story, I was born in a concentration camp, but you know, that's impossible. And I never met my mother because she supposedly died there. That's convenient. Wow. And so I was like, wait, you were in a concentration camp for the first five years of your life? And it's just, it's reminiscent of Don. That's why it's stuck oh, in my head of, you know, all the stuff of the traumatic childhood and the troubles and, and how it relates to later in life, where it's well, kind of like they're making the point that it matters, but it also doesn't matter because, you know, Pete didn't have that and he's still messed up. Yeah. Betty didn't have that and she's messed up. Well, not up that we like, know of. I mean, I don't that imagine our parents are awful. Yeah, I mean, we saw our dad a little bit, and right. he seemed all right. But it's just like the idea that, like, Don, you know, watching his 
dad get kicked in the head by a horse, you know, and <laughs> die in front of him, and, like, his mom is a prostitute, and, like, all the stuff that he's having to deal with. Yeah. Like, the thing you said earlier, we, he uses it in the pitch, talking about the, the chocolate bar. Yeah, the Hershey bar. You know, his mom's busy with a client, and he's rifling through their pockets for money so he can go down to the store and buy himself some candy. If I collected more than a dollar, she'd buy me a Hershey bar. And I would eat it alone in my room with the great ceremony. It said sweet on the package. It was the only sweet thing in my life. <laughs> like, oh, oh my <laughs> yeah. god. Like, whoo! Holy crap, man. Wow. Ouch. But that idea that, you know, how your childhood experiences will shape who you are, yeah. it's only sometimes. Other characters are like, nah. Yeah. And yet we still have all the same problems. And it's, it's all like, it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of your perception of it. And maybe a computer will get moved into the office. And it yeah. means you have some kind of weird psychotic break. And if you had, you had a pretty traumatic bunch of first years. I could, that would, yeah, yeah, that would put some, you know, chinks in your armor. That something like a computer coming in and shifting the whole paradigm around. Oh man, computers will take all our jobs soon. Like, I could see that, that would maybe just shoot right into your brain and hit one of those little vulnerabilities and you just everything cracks in half on you they're like oh i didn't know i was that fragile it's a really interesting point to make but which speaks to the type of stuff that that sort of spiritual journey he ends up yeah. with at the end would be seeking to address that's why it works especially you know when you look back after you've reached the end and you look back and you're like oh man look at all this look at everything they were doing this whole time and i only uh, sort of saw it yeah so it all came into focus which but is no. good, like talking about how you were like, oh man, how, what are you gonna do for an ending? Because it's not a plot heavy show. No. It's very much a world and character type themes. of story. Themes, definitely themes. But like, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't point itself in a clear direction of like, oh, at the end, uh, you know, the apocalypse and they win or they lose. <laughs> like, no, that's not how this goes. So it is like, how are they gonna end it? They definitely just dug deep on like, what you didn't realize is we were subtly layering in all of these character and thematic concerns that we will take you to a place that does sort of transcend the rest and put a button on it. Just uh, an exclamation point. And it, it was all there the whole time. Yeah. You just don't necessarily see it the first time through. You gotta reach the end before everything else really makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, and that happens in movies all the time, right? Like the first couple acts do a bunch of stuff and it's only in the ending of the story that it kind of feeds back through to really give you a new sense of importance or concern for everything that they set up. You really get it now. It's just, you know, this is like seven-ish years. <laughs> yeah, big picture. Yeah. But to answer your question, yeah. what I think is missing, yes. I would say the only thing, the only criticism I could say okay. is how the, the last two years were handled. It's the season uh, seven broken okay. up over two. Yeah. And it is written as two distinct periods of story, and you try to watch it as one season seven, and the first half is distinctly different from the second half. Yeah, it in seems very like... substantial ways, and it's just like I, I don't know what the second half is. Are we still in season seven? Is this season eight now? Yeah. Is this some weird you it is season seven but cut in half, but so substantially that like they really do weird. exist as two separate seasons. I mean at the end of the first half of that end there yeah. that's the idea you know when Cooper dies yeah. and everything is up in the air what's going to happen to the company and we start in with the second half yeah. and it's like we're, we're selling it we're, we're closing up shop we're going to go to McCann Erickson yeah. the other you know the biggest firm in all of Manhattan or whatever should be a good thing but like uh, you know, probably not everybody going their separate ways Don's there for like four seconds before he says nah he 
get in his car and he leaves. Nope. Uh, and just I'm the out. way that people scatter. And in the first half and the second half are just very distinct periods of time. So I can't really look at it as one season seven. And up but until they, that but point. They, but they do have very season seven. Like all the season seven material. It's there. Comfy like a uh, seven season wise. Like all the stuff we talk about that should be in a season seven is there. It is there. In both halves. Yeah. But it is that they, they like they went with a weird, not cliffhanger, but like a kind of break in the plot. I guess maybe just to make the break feel more like it made sense to break there. Trying to have some kind of solidarity for the season. Like, no, this is a season, and that will be a season. But story-wise, it's season seven. But they did such a good job of making them different. Yeah. That you really kind of compromise the elegance. And that's... Yeah. Until that point, you had seasons one through six. And it's just, everything is pitch perfect so far. The dramatic pace, the dramatic evolution. It's all here. It's all good. And then right at the end, they're like, hey, for business reasons and money-wise yeah. and all that stuff. Most likely, right? We're going to cut it in half to get two seasons out of one. Yep. Like, you compromise the elegance of the structure, which, you know, I, I love the structure. I love looking at it. <laughs> yeah. And when it's not perfect, it's a, oh, oh, got to better. It's me. It was right there, right at the end there. You just kind of pulled some variations, and you, you messed it up a little bit. And it wasn't necessary. It wasn't like, oh, we're getting canceled, or this is the last year, so we got to do two seasons worth. It was yeah. like, no, this was a business decision. You don't quite want Mad Men to be over yet. Yeah. For AMC, like, it did make that AMC network. It was their first big yep. hit. Yep, yep, yep. Critical acclaim. They stopped playing old movies, and now they're making big deal TV shows, laying in the groundwork for things like, you know, uh, Walking Dead being absurdly successful. Yeah. And Breaking Bad yeah. being absurdly successful. Yeah. For what it was, all the critical acclaim. Like, Mad Men did that. Like, what we were talking about with The Shield doing it for FX. Yeah. Mad Men did that for AMC, so it makes sense. Yeah. That they would want to stretch it out, but it's like, ah, you, you compromised it. You're like, oh, it's the same amount of episodes. It's like, nah, but the way that you wrote it and the way that you paced it, part yeah. one and part two are two different. Yeah. And, and that's, that's my only complaint. The elegance is gone. They did it for, like, you know, the same reasons that, uh, you know, the last Harry Potter movies, two movies long. Yeah. And the same reason that, uh, you know, uh, Hunger Games, the last one's two movies long. You know how I feel about this. <laughs> yes, I do. And it's just like, wow, you're doing it just because you don't want it to be over. You don't want the money train to be ending. But, you know, but instead it's a TV show. You know what I found interesting? Uh, I heard the other day, uh, this is only slightly related, but The Shield, they, uh, they considered calling season six, season five, part two. Really? Yeah. They, they originally were going to do that. They were just, I guess, because... Why? The, I, I, you know what? I was, I was I was sitting there going, like, why would you do that? But I guess I could see it if they're looking at it from, like, the events seem to be such a direct fallout mm-hmm. of what's happened in 5. They're like, it almost feels like the first half and the second half of one big story. But I, I'm glad they just called it 6. That it would have been, been a mistake, yes, to idea. say that five and six are more connected than others, when, like, six and seven are super connected as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, they got less seasonal as they went on and became much more serialized, but it just got better. I mean, that was, you're going yeah. in the right direction, guys. You're just doing it well. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to call it part one and two, guys. So that's just one of those weird quirks of variations and business reasons. You call them different things. And, yeah. You know, if you've, if you've seen the blog, if you've read it, we talk all about it. It's just, yeah. you do it when it's... It's necessary for some reason that was outside your control. But for this, I was like, all right, then you should have just done season seven and just cut it in half. And you watch the first half and you're like, that wasn't a season, we're just in the middle. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it's part one. Sounds like they kind of did do that. They just felt like it would be weird to leave people at the break with like a sort of anticlimactic middle. Uh, so they just get, no, you don't feel that uh, way? No, I disagree. They're still too different. Everything they were doing in part one is all of this stuff. 
and then we're done with that, and now we're doing this stuff. Yeah, I suppose that's and it's true. Like, it's, it's a different season now. You didn't even do the part two, like the way The Sopranos did it, or something. You know, season six, part one, part two. And it's just season seven. Yeah. It's not season six at all. Yeah, like, you're just mis- mislabeling it. Just calling it the wrong thing. When you watch it, it works that way. But with Mad Men, it's like they did too good of a job separating them out. <laughs> and now it's just like, what is this? It's season Whoa, seven, it... and then the other season seven? Yeah, would you just call it season seven, and then season seven again? Kind of, yeah. Alternate version of Seven. Yeah. Kind of, Nip Tuck sort of did that. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. But... Yeah, we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. Kind of the same thing where you just kind of do the season again in a different way. So at least the, the, the things you would do in that season. Look at the blog, look at the videos. You, you know, if you haven't for some reason, go check that out. Like, check out what we what we talked about, the stuff you would do in Season 7. They're just doing it one way, and then they're kind of ending plot stuff and some character things and then doing more, but still doing a bunch of Season 7 stuff. Which usually, if your chunk's over, if you, if you put an ending on it, you would move on to more different stuff. But they didn't really. No, it's, it's more the same, but different enough for me to say, ah, the elegance has been compromised. Yeah. It's no longer perfect. Yeah. For a show where, I mean, the narrative and the integrity of it is so important to start playing fast and loose and getting screwy on me at the end there. Yeah. It gets to me. That's all. That's the only complaint I have. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? Oh, oh man. Missing? Yeah, what do you think missing? Oh, boy. Ah, that's... I'm not sure I have anything. I mean, oh, you know what? No, I can pick something. I wish, as good as their ending is, I I would say there are a few characters that while their ending is good, I wish there had been more of a a sort of paying off the build-up that they had, like their journey through the show. Like, uh, you know, like I feel like we got that with Dawn. But, you know, like, we could have got, uh, Joan could have had a more culminating ending. Like, it, uh, on a level, it's definitely there. I liked her ending. I like, liked Betty's ending, too. Yeah, that, Betty's, uh, I feel, like, fits, and it's cool, and it's weird, and it's good. I'm not dissatisfied with her. There, there are some softer endings, like with Peggy, who was such a big character. Yeah. Like, her ending is a little amb- amb- ambiguous, you know? It's a little... It's a little soft. Soft. It's a little just kind of like, ah, you know, maybe you guys hook up. Like, you know, it's... And her career continues to advance. You hit it's the like, idea okay. of her balancing a yearning for a love life and, you know, the to be married. What she was pursuing with Pete's, what she was pursuing throughout the show with different yeah. guys and never really worked out. And that kind of idea, but she always did care about her work more. Yep. And so they kind of like to end it with her having both. It's a happy ending for her, but like it seems dishonest. It seems like I don't think that's going to work out. So like, <laughs> it's supposed to be happy, but it's not. Yeah, but it's probably not going to work. Or like Sterling's ending. Like he didn't really have one, you know? He's uh, yeah. He's with Megan's mom. Which, like you know, on one level, it works. Just, it works. It it's fits with his character and everything he's done and everything he's been and, and how he rolls. But you know, it's just what he's doing now. But like, that's not really an ending. The show's over. I'm not gonna see what he does next. So like, yeah. what is his ending? Like, that's all you get. You get him shrugging. He winks at you, and he's out. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and Jones works, and it fits, and it's like she's starting her own thing, and, and that is sort of the natural evolution of everything that she's been going through through the story. But her pursuit of power, yeah, and how she found meaning in it, basically all she wants. Yeah, in a, in a definite sense, yeah, she definitely is, has been sort of chasing steadily more status and power. 
which I mean that's why I really liked it throughout the show they weren't trying to say that like she was involved with men a lot and she was kind of defined by relationships and all of that and by the time you get to the end she has this guy who has all this money and he's retired and he just <laughs> wants to travel the world laying on beaches eating grapes you know we could live like this all the time not the cocaine I'm talking about taking advantage of all I have all you have you know <laughs> and then she's kind of like no. Yep. You would think that would be her dream, but it's not. You misunderstand her, and you misunderstand her dream. Yeah. She wants the power. She wants the big office. She wants her name on the door. Yep. The thing she never had. She wants, she wants that. more than, you know, paradise. Just be on vacation for the rest of your life. Like, he's a little older, and he's retired, mostly because he's so rich and successful. Yeah. He's not that old. But, like, she is not that old. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can retire now, in your 30s. And she's like, <laughs> nah. Nah. And the subtlety of the way they played out, like, I really liked her ending. But yeah, yeah some of the other ones are good. pretty soft. Yeah, Peggy's, I, I, I could have used, I could have used a better-ish ending for Peggy, I guess. Maybe that's just me being dissatisfied with where you're leaving it. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I'm not, I, I, none of it's, like, bad. I, yeah, I, outside of that, I'm not sure, uh... I'm not sure there's anything missing for me. Besides the thing you just said. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yes. Besides the thing I just said. The thing I said, because you agree with that. (laughs) Okay. You are correct. (laughs) You are right. Well, I mean, at the end, after it's all said and done, like, what do you think is the takeaway? The takeaway. What's my takeaway from that, man? Uh, you know what? There's something I I didn't experience it personally, and and I'm not sure this is my main takeaway. Let my let my brain sink on that for a second. But, uh, you know, I, I ran into quite a few people who, uh, not the overwhelming majority or anything, but more than I would have expected, who would watch Mad Men, say, hey, it's a great show, check it out. They start watching it, and then I check in with them later, and they have stopped because they said, it's too depressing, I can't continue. It is depressing, yes. <laughs> that's part of what makes it so good. Yes, like, that's, and maybe that's part of, like, oh, I just find that fascinating and interesting and fun, in a sense, to watch. Not because I like people's misery, but because I think the ideas and the themes and the and the situations these characters find themselves in are eminently fascinating. And they speak to core concerns of the human condition. But I do think it's interesting that a lot of people would be so, like, on the moment-to-moment level, they're just like, no, too depressing, too sad, I can't, I literally am just gonna stop watching it. It's like, damn, okay, I guess that that's one thing to consider, is that if... I mean, it's definitely baked into the show, so the people who drop off because of that, uh, they were never really your audience. Like, you know, you, to change the show to appease that concern would be to change the show fundamentally. And, and probably for the worse, in my opinion. But it is interesting that you would have that kind of reaction. It's a pretty appropriate reaction. I mean, if it makes you stop watching the show, no. Clearly you were <laughs> here for the entertainment. You weren't here for the art. Maybe yeah. you're not necessarily seeing or appreciating everything that they're doing, because it is on purpose. It's not yeah. like it's just a bummer of a show. Yeah, it's not like they're just wanting no. to make you sad and keep you there. Like, that's not the point. They want to get you into that space. They want you to feel that meaninglessness and that purposelessness and directionlessness. Yeah, and then in an effort to speak to that. Yeah, in an effort to say about. things about it. Not just to make you feel bad. Yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe the people who were, uh, you know, too depressed and couldn't continue either were too depressed and couldn't see what was being said or spoken to, or it was just too much sadness. They, they're like, I don't care what I have to say about it. I'm just out. They're not interested. Don't like the idea. Which, you know, different know, strokes. Fair. Yeah. I do maybe. think, for me, yeah. the main takeaway yeah. from the entire series... Okay. What I mostly think about is the idea that the setup of the show on a plot level yes. 
All right, all of the advertising following a guy who's in advertising. That's culture that are following. How it pertains to the themes on why you're telling the story and what it's really about. That the pursuit of existentialism, if that's what we're doing, you know, the pursuit of existentialism. Yeah, the well, pursuit of enlightenment <laughs> in the face of existentialism. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> Actually, I kind of like the other idea. <laughs> the pursuit of existentialism. That's madness. Nobody would watch that show. Or would they? I would. I would. But if that's the idea. Yeah. In the face of existentialism, pursuing enlightenment. To have, how, what's the best way that we could express this idea and talk about it? And to say, advertising, 1960s. Yeah, I mean... That is, that is the most beautiful, poetic combining of these two ideas. Because you could talk about this idea in any other show. That's what oh, it's yeah. about. It could be any, like, a medical show. It could be a cop show. It could be any staple of TV. It could have been anything. Yeah, you definitely could pursue that idea in many different guises. I mean, Sopranos did it a little bit. A little, a little, but with a much darker bent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just shows the difference of you could take, this is the point of the show, that's what we want to talk about, that's what we want to do, but you found the perfect dance partner for this (laughs) idea of not just advertising, but 1960s advertising. Yeah. You put the two together, and I think that is the secret to what made it work so well. Yeah, it's a layered onion of a show. Really organic, and it is just like look at all of our themes. Like, like I was saying before, it's like fractals. It's all it's the same stuff, looking a little different, but each level, you know, as above, so below. Mm. It's all you know. The advertising speaks to the concerns of the Enlightenment journey, but the Enlightenment journey informs the type of stuff we're talking about. Your your day to day existence, living in 1960s America. Your day to day existence, living in the advertising industry. Your concerns as a human being, given your life. Dick Whitman slash Don Draper. You know, this I, this shell of an identity he's living into, but he stole it from a dead man. And who he was, who he is, why he's pursuing those things, pursuing a different personality. Mm. Like, it's all the same stuff in different clothes. It's, it's fantastic. So even when you're doing the surface <laughs> level, you're still simultaneously doing this deeper level. That's why you can get so far into the show, and you're not even sure how they would end it, because I'm not yeah. even sure what it's about. And you're like, you know what it's about. It's what we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah. Just peel off the top layer, and here you go. So to have the ending be what it was, yeah. it's enlightenment, turns it into a coke ad. <laughs> it's the symmetry of the two they smashed together. Yeah. And that, that's how you end it. Right there, and I'm blown away that's for me that's the takeaway how perfect uh, was, how elegant that was of that to just put the two together yeah right, let me uh i'm just gonna steal your answer okay that. <laughs> and and i would say everybody's good on the show fantastic performances all around but john 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 ann is just crushing john ham did a fantastic job he's just the subtlety in that man's face Especially when you see him do other things that are more broad. Like he shows up on 30 Rock or, you know, Saturday Night Live. Like the guy's pretty good in comedy. Like he's got a, a good comedic sense and timing. But this is straight drama and he is just crushing. He's just uh, just faces, man. Just just delivering lines. Just like uh, in the elevator. I feel bad for you. I don't think about you at all. Like he does. Oh, Ginsburg. Oh, it's just like, damn. There are some lines, there are scenes, <laughs> literally all the time. I mean, to point out a few is a little ridiculous, but it's just the entire time. There, he doesn't do a bad performance in any scene that he does. Yeah. He's not necessarily stealing the show, but when you see him work and you see the subtlety, you see what he's doing. Yeah. And to know, it just seems that that's who he is. 
And it's, it's not at all. Yeah. That's part of it. But he does kind of put on the, the skin of Don Draper. Yeah. Not just Dick Whitman, the man, yeah. or the idea of Don Draper, or like presentational Don, you know, when he's yeah. making a big pitch. Like, there's all these different facets to his personality. So John Hamm is playing like nine different versions of this man. <laughs> yep. He's definitely, he's bringing layers. And it, and it is, like, you almost, if all you see is Mad Men and this guy's performances, then you do kind of, you're like, oh, he must just be like that. That's just how he is. But no, man. <laughs> no. He's bringing heat. It's fantastic. Yeah. Perfectly cast. Yeah. That's what you're going to go with? That's the takeaway? John Hamm's great? <laughs> He's really good? No, I mean, before you went, before... That's the takeaway. You can go with it. it yeah, I, I mean, I'm gonna, I mentioned it, so sure, let's go with that. But, you know, while you were talking, I was going to... The only thing I was going to dig deeper on, like the takeaway, is the expert layering of character, theme, and eventual meaning. And that you could, yeah, just, you know, take your themes, find a world, find a concern... 60s ad men and that concern of like what does my life mean what is this who am i what is the world all of that all wrapped into one beautiful little package i do think that's a big part of what makes a show great few shows have done have done that have wrapped it up that tightly that elegantly yeah i mean the great ones have that element to it and i just recognize in mad men even more so you just found the perfect counterpoint to what you're trying to say here yeah counterpoint counterpart ah there we go <laughs> confused. Yeah. I'm tired, animals. He's got a dragon in his mind. Mmm, all the time. Oh, no. <laughs> but what do you think? Seven seasons. Yeah. Technically eight, if you want to get into that. Well, if you want to call that last bit eight, okay. I, don't. I mean, but it doesn't have eight characteristics, so. No. So no, there's, there's seven seasons, but, uh, man, we can't even really call them years. I don't know, eight pieces, but let's just say seven seasons for, you know, simplicity's sake. What do you think is the best? Oh, man. Buddy. Best season of Mad Men. Best season of Mad Men. I, you know what? I'm gonna. Uh, that's hard. I was gonna say the end. I was just gonna just because I love the ending so much that I would that I I'm I'm drawn to saying that last chunk. Season seven, but, part two. Yeah, season seven, part two. But oh, but there's so many other good stuffs. Uh, For me, yeah. that might be a little controversial. Okay. Considering the fact that the first four years, they all won Emmy Emmys. Yeah, they did. You know, best drama on TV ever in the history of time. What's the best thing on TV right now? This guy. Yeah. And then again. And, over. and again. And again. For that first four years. Yeah. In a row. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and say the best year they did. Yeah. Five. <laughs> Season five. The year they didn't get it. Only because Homeland showed up and everybody's like, everybody's tired of giving it to Mad Men. It's really good. Mad Men's had its day four times. It tied West Wing for the most consecutive wins. Let's Whoa. move on. Let's find something else. And Homeland did deserve it. Homeland, is, its first season is really good. Fair enough. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and say Mad Men season five was their best. All right. Artistically, creatively, storytelling wise, everything they did yeah. is beautiful. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, they're all very good. And, you know, full disclosure, I've only seen it the one time through. So it's hard to pull, and I had most of it live. Mm. So, you know, there were years between seasons and stuff, but uh, they're all really good. They're all really good. <laughs> but if you had to pick one. But if I had to pick one right now, I yes, I'm going to go ahead and say the last chunk of seven. Just because I feel like him driving in his car and he's not really sure where he's going. I really like that. And that ending is just so good. The ending is so strong, you just gotta give it to whatever season that was. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll get through it again, and maybe I'll change my answer. Mm. If yeah. you had to say what your favorite one was. Yeah. Oh, it's your favorite it's... season. 
Oh man, I'm gonna pick the end because I like the ending so much. That, <laughs> that sort of speaks to favor, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. Uh, yep, I'm gonna go the same one. All I'm right. just gonna say end of seven for both. There you go, way to end strong, you know? <laughs> Good job, Madman. You brought the heat. I do, I do agree that the ending is possibly the strongest part of the entire series, as it should be. Yeah? But if we're looking at seasons as a whole, I chose five because of everything they were doing. Okay. You know, it doesn't have the ending of the series no. to punch it up. Yeah, which might be unfair, but... But also, from a personal standpoint, yeah. my favorite season, like the one that I enjoy the most, is season four. Okay, any particular reason? Yeah, because it's Dawn just cut loose. His marriage <laughs> fell apart, yeah. and we come in in season four, and you think, you know, is the show going to get better or is it going to get worse? This is go time. This is season four. It's time to promote or it's going to be a slump, you know? Uh, it's a game changer for every series. So uh, I'm watching four, and I'm just, I'm eating it up. <laughs> this is the best year I've seen so far until season five came along. But for oh. season four, it's my favorite because I just like to see him really just kind of dive in and just... He goes full Don, but he doesn't have anything to care about anymore. Yeah. So he spirals. You know, he dated like, like 12 women that season. <laughs> like literally every woman he talks to, he gets involved with because he has no idea what he's doing. It's like the saddest that we've seen Don and the most broken <laughs> and the most directionlessness yeah. from him. And that's what the series is about. So they got to go really hard. You kind of expect it from a season six. Yeah. And they did a lot of dark stuff at six. And when he got more up in his own, more, you know, his mortality, yeah. the theme across six was like him thinking about his own death and how it just colored everything. Yeah. But for four, I wanted to see more of that existentialism in the self-medicating. In the booze, in the women, yeah. in the... He has no idea what he's doing with his life. Yeah, he's unmoored. He has no idea what's going on anymore. Yeah. Everything he had sort of just fell apart. His, his center does not hold anymore. Nope. So for yeah. me, it was the most interesting. It was the most enjoyable to watch. The most cut loose. Yeah, that's what I think of. Favorite, four. Nice. But best, five. Yeah, artistically, should have gotten the Emmy. Because it's like, I mean, first four obviously are great. Yeah. But the fifth one, I'm like, ah, oh, come on. I mean, the elegance, it, it is the middle of the story, but, you know, it hasn't peaked. Yeah. They're still going up. <laughs> and, you know, arguably, they continue to do that until the end of the series. Yeah. I just really liked everything they did in five. I just recognized the artistry and the skill and the subtlety. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's an inclusive, you know, put it all together and see the big picture there. Yeah. That's just sexy. Yeah. <laughs> well, animals, if you haven't seen Mad Men, you shouldn't have been listening to this podcast. Yeah, that was a terrible idea. Or if you saw it once and you want to go back and watch it again, I highly recommend it. There are some shows where you can yeah. watch it through the first time and you get it. Mad Men's one of those where you really got to know that end right from the jump. You're going to get a lot more the second time through. Big time. I assume. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know. You haven't seen it. I've yeah, seen exactly. it several times. Yeah. Because I love it. Because it's that good. Yeah. I probably learned the most from any show. It would be Batman. Wow. For themes. Bold claim. For, I, mean, well, I mean, four years in a row, guy. You know? Uh, I mean, I'm not arguing with you. I just... <laughs> <laughs> just sorry, bold claim. Sorry. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I'm not going out on a limb here to say it was the best show ever made. You know, people <laughs> like to throw that around, but I would put Mad Men on that short list of, yeah, tell me I'm wrong, dude, you know, like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, all right. You know, uh, you heard it here first for Professor Bones. It goes, Batman, mm -hmm. Mad Men, mm -hmm. somewhere down there, Schindler's List. Yep. <laughs> Big time. 
You betcha. Uh, Schindler's List is great, but it's a really solid movie. It's, it's the best thing Spielberg ever did, I think. But Wow, Gold Claim again. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do with the bones cam. I come in here. Gold Claims. Gold Claims. Come on, I think about it tomorrow and regret having said it on the mic. <laughs> but I mean it. It's okay. The mic listens to all. You can always talk to it again. Win. Next time? Yeah! You betcha! We'll Woo! see you there, animals. In the bones cave.